listening to Hope Signals with Mark and Susan Mason, the podcast of Life on the Verge Ministries. Hope Signals is a podcast where we offer practical principles and motivational insights aimed at helping people navigate their hopes and dreams. All right. Well, good morning. I uh, I guess it's, I don't know if it's morning for you. It's morning for me, and my dogs once again got me up way too early. I have a love-hate relationship with these mutts, uh, but nevertheless, I stumbled up the stairs after eating my half a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which has been my breakfast custom lately. Weird, I know, right? But uh, <clears throat> I'll crack my Bible open as I do, And uh, the scripture that I read this morning is, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way that you should go. That's found in Isaiah 48, 7. Man, isn't that what we want? We want to profit. That word uh, in the Hebrew means to gain, to benefit. Don't we want to profit? Don't we want God to lead us in the way that we should go? Um, And I don't know why that led me to talk about the idea of commitment because I know that that is where the blessing lies, is committing to God. You know, it says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Now, I'm going to talk about commitment to God, but I'm also going to talk about commitment in general and commitment to your dream or your idea or your vision. Obviously, our first commitment needs to be to God. We need to be fully committed to God, that whatever that we are putting our hand to, uh, whether it's in business or education or pulpit ministry or or whatever the thing that God has given us to do in earth, on the earth, whatever we feel a dream to accomplish, that the underlying motive is to somehow spread His glory, His love, His mercy into this world. And so... Uh, you know, it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. And so I used to say all the time, I still do, that re- redemption is the bottom line, that God is trying to get the attention of mankind so much so that he sent his only son to suffer and die and leave a mark on this earth like no other person ever has. You know, you can't even write the date 2020 without acknowledging that it was 2020 years ago that Jesus walked the earth. That's how we started uh, using the date system that we use. We used to say before Christ and A.D. in the year of our Lord. Now they're trying to change it to before the common era and all this kind of thing. All, All the while, God is trying to get our attention. And so he uses us to do the same thing, to bring attention and bring glory to himself, trying to say to the the whole of mankind, listen, I'm the one that, that will lead you to what you're after. I created you. I'm the one that will show you how to profit. I'm the one that will teach you in the way that you should go. I, we're, man, there's so much identity crisis these days. God is saying, I will give you your identity. I will show you who you are, what you were made to do. And all the while, for some reason, uh, we resist the Lord. Mankind resists the Lord. So talking about the power of commitment, with the first commitment being we need to be committed, fully committed to the Lord. That's our underlying motive for any success in life. 
And that, you know, our dream and our vision can take a million different avenues. But underneath it all, you know, the most big time entrepreneurs that I read anyway will say money is a, is a bad motive. For it, it for them, for somebody like an Elon Musk, it was more the challenge. Hey, can we start a, a like a civilian space program, the SpaceX thing? I want to be the first one to do this. So even his motive, and when you look at Bill Gates and you look at these, yeah, they got lots of money, and money certainly plays into the equation, but their motive, even politicians, right, their motives go deeper than money. Sometimes they're corrupt, but their motive goes deeper than money. So don't let that be. So for us as believers, our motive must go deeper than just making a lot of money and having nice things. Our commitment to the Lord um, has got to be rooted in the motive to spread his glory around the earth. And so I want to talk about commitment for a minute and the importance of commitment. I love to go back to Webster's Dictionary from 1828. You can find that online. Um, Just search Webster's 1828 Dictionary. When you want to look at how was a word defined before we got so humanistic, uh, Webster frequently used scripture to illustrate the definition of a word. And, you know, when you hear the word Webster, you think dictionary. Well, this is the guy that wrote it. And uh, here's what he said in 1828, commitment means. It means to give in trust, to put into the hands or power of another, to entrust (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me. Psalm 37, 5, he's what he uses as an illustration. He says, commit thy way to the Lord. And then he uses 2 Timothy 2, 2. The things thou heard of me commit to faithful men. Newer versions of the, of the definition of commitment mean to do something, uh, to promise or pledge oneself to something. So uh, commitment is this idea of going all in on an idea, uh, it, it's committed to put, it, or it's rather the idea of putting your your reputation or maybe even your finances on the line, uh, <coughs> even your life on the line. For some, you know, when someone joins the military, they're committing themselves to something that may cost them their lives, and so if we're going to succeed at anything. We're going to have to be committed to it, and that commitment has got to have a root. And for those of us as believers, our first commitment is to the Lord. So let me ask you this. What idea or dream or vision are you committed to? Now, it it, it doesn't have to be some lofty entrepreneurial thing. It can be, I'm committed to to raising a godly family. That was my first commitment, by the way, not not ministry to other people. It was my first commitment is to my family. And my, you know, when my kids were little, especially, you know, it was it was like if ministry gets in the way of, of my family, then I'm we're changing. You know, if if uh, I felt like a geographical location was a threat to my family, we'll pack up and move. You know, that that my family, my marriage you know, because ultimately, when I look at uh, my our testimony, we've done a lot of cool things. You know, we were youth pastors and worship pastors and church planters and life on the verge. And look at all these neat ministry things that people see on the outside. But our greatest testimony, Susan and I, our greatest testimony is that somehow through the ups and downs in December, we'll be married 38 years. My kids who are now, uh, let me get this right, 
27, 30, and 32, they love us. <laughs> We're friends. You know, uh, that's, that is our greater testimony. So maybe your dream or your vision is to raise a godly family. That's a great place to be committed to. That's a great dream and a great vision. And so uh, what the, the question I guess we need to ask is, what can I do to make this crazy, hurting, confused, messed up world a better place? And let me say that griping on social media, pointing fingers and throwing stones probably isn't going to do it unless you're called to be a professional politician. Um, you know, uh, you, you can say your piece here, and that, but I'm all about building bridges, not burning them. And I feel like, well, if all you want is to influence people that already believe what you believe, you're good. But if you're trying to build bridges outside and draw people in, you can't do it by throwing stones at the things that they value. It took me a long time to learn that lesson. It doesn't mean you got to embrace the things they value. You can be completely opposed to the things they value, but you're trying to build a bridge. Hear what I'm saying? And our first commitment shouldn't be to the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. It, our first commitment has to be to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's get back to the idea or the vision or the dream that you need to be committed to. Preaching to myself here. You know, the older that we get, you know, I'm almost 57 this month, August 25th. Um, you can you can send your, your checks and make your online donations to me. Uh, just kidding. Um, the older, by the way, my awesome kids and my wife pitched in to get me a new recliner for my birthday. They are incredible. They got me a color TV, a new TV, color TV. I'm old. They got me a new TV for my uh, for Father's Day, which was just in June. And now they conspired behind my back to get me a new recliner. And God knows I needed one. The one I've got is 20 years old and it is falling apart and it is an eyesore. Um, nevertheless, um, totally getting off track here. My, my, my family's so awesome. Uh, the, they're talking about the idea, the dream, the thing that you're committed to. Um, the, 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 here's the thing, is that chances are nobody's going to come to your door and say, knock, 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 hey man, if you just be more committed, you would succeed. I mean, I'm kind of trying to do that now, but uh, commitment is something we've got to do for ourselves. We've got to say, I'm, I'm going to commit to this thing, whether it's getting into better physical shape. Man, it's hard. I know it's very hard. It's the hard work, commitment. I'm going to commit to doing this thing. You know, I injured my knee about a month ago, and oh my gosh, um, it, it has been terrible. Finally, I'm getting it back. I rode my bike for 15 minutes on Sunday. I rode my bike for 30 minutes yesterday. I can't run right now. I'm hoping by my birthday I can run. I still feel it a little bit, but I'm committed to this idea of uh, I'm not really totally out of shape, but I've had a month of kind of just eating trash. I mean, good food. I found this lady on Facebook, by the way. If you really want to eat some heart attack food, look up uh, Cooking with Brenda Gant, G-A-N-T-T. She's this dear lady down in Alabama that uh, cooks everything in Greece. And I, I haven't eaten things fried in oil and stuff like that in a, in a long time. I've kind of shied away from that that diet. But I love Southern soul type food, you know. And uh, so anyway, I got all, totally off track. Well, now I'm committed. I'm going all in. I got to get back, 
You know, I put on a couple of pounds uh, through this procedure and the coronavirus and all that, but I'm committed. So what are you committed to? Are you committed to your business? And how do you deepen that commitment to that, that idea, that dream that you have? You know, commitment means putting your reputation on the line. It means stepping out of the boat, even though you know you might sink. It, it may go against all logic, but commitment is a key. God can't establish our steps if we won't commit to taking those those steps. You know, in, in my case, you know, there was times where I committed to the wrong things, found out the hard way. This This is where our underlying motive really comes into play. You know, I'm sure I've shared this story before, but let me share it in a in a different light. Our, our ministry journey and how I ended up, how we ended up where we are today and how we ended up in ministry. Well, when I came to the Lord, I was just a strung out, messed up teenager with no education whatsoever. And I committed to the idea of spreading the gospel. I'm going to tell everybody about this Jesus that has radically changed my life. So for me, that commitment looked like getting involved in church. I, nobody had to tell me, you need to go to church. It was like, well, that's what you do. I need to get around other believers. And so we committed to uh, a church. I got involved. I got involved with the media ministry there. And uh, and then I, I started studying electronics at a local vocational school because I wanted to go to work for the Christian Broadcasting Network because they they seemed to be the ones that were broadcasting the gospel all over the world. I want to be part of this great commission thing. Had no dream whatsoever of, you know, becoming a preacher. I wasn't a public speaker by any stretch. Um, I just wanted to be a part. And so I began to study electronics, and I did really well at it. And I did. Then I enrolled in college, and I had to go back to high school algebra and high school English. But I did really well. I was making A's in all of it, which was blowing my mind. And I thought, man, I'm smarter than I thought I was. So I got really committed to getting an education. And suddenly, I saw myself getting a job working for a big technology company or something. And I lost my commitment to church life. I didn't have time for church. I, I was committed to the idea of getting an education. Oh, after all, it wasn't my my motives pure. I wanted to get an education, but I wasn't committed anymore to spreading the gospel in the way that I was. And so what happened is I lost my way, and I, I got disconnected from the vine, so to speak. I, I stopped hearing the voice of the Lord, and uh, I found out as I was about to graduate my last semester, I hated electronics. And that's what led me to become a police officer. And so I like to say, I lean my ladder against the wall of education and technology and getting a job in that field. There's nothing wrong with that if you're called to that. But I got away from God doing that. And I mean, I still believed in the Lord, don't get me wrong, but I think I my trajectory was off. And so that led me into law enforcement, which was a great career. I loved it. If you're a police officer today, God bless you. Look at it as a calling. God's called you to do it. If you're just looking at it as a job, man, it's a rough job, a job not many people want. Look at it deeper than that, or, or else you, you could find yourself in trouble. And so I did that, though. And I got to the top of that ladder and found out, you know what? This isn't what I want to do either. And so back in 1991... I started going to a, a local church again, and I recommitted my life to Christ, uh, even though I really never lost my faith, in my saving faith, 
I lost my commitment, my all in for the sake of the gospel. And uh, I committed to a local church. And I'm, I know I've shared this story before about how I, they asked me to mop the floor after youth. And that was my first strand of commitment. I used to tell people when they got involved in, in church life when I was a pastor, I said, you may think that we're saying this because we need you. No, you need a strand of commitment that makes you show up for church and to show up for worship and hear the preaching of the word. You need that strand of commitment because so many times in my own life, if it wasn't because I told them I would be there because I had a strand of commitment, I might not have showed up, but I did show up and I heard a word from the Lord for me in that moment. So many times because I committed to that. And in my heart, I said, you know what? I've invested a ton of effort into electronics and and that has kind of panned out. I mean, that's not that didn't land me where I wanted to land. I invested a ton of effort into law enforcement, and that didn't land me where I wanted to be. You know what's never wrong? Investing in the kingdom of God, investing in his local church. He loves his church. He loves the bride. That's never going to be the wrong thing. I mean, yes, you can overcommit yourself um, to church programs and stuff, but at the time, I wasn't committed to anything in church life. And when I started to do that, guess what? God began to show me the way to profit and teach me the way to go again. And that's what led me into full-time ministry. It was along those lines that I uh, they found out I played guitar and I got committed to the praise and worship team. And that commitment kept me showing up even when I didn't want to. Well, along that time, now I never saw myself as a singer. Um, I never sung publicly. I was a songwriter and a guitar player. And I was fine just sitting in the back playing my guitar. Uh, but, you know, I prayed. I was like, Lord, if you ever give me a voice to sing what I hear in my head, if ever the muscles in my throat could project what I hear in my head, I, I would do it for you. And so I, I had an opportunity to enter a songwriting contest, that a Christian songwriting contest at the time. And this is while I'm involved in, the, I'm committed to this local youth group. And I wrote this song and I recorded it on cassette. And I didn't really know the youth, uh, the music minister at our church but he lived around the corner from me. And this was a sizable church, and he was kind of a rock star in my eyes. You know, he was he was just this really gifted guy, and I was a little intimidated, you know, by his, I don't know, just his aura. And uh, But I somehow got up the courage to take my tape and a note and put it in his mailbox and ask his opinion about my song before I submitted it. And uh, he didn't know me from Adam. But I left my phone number, and he called me, and he said, hey, why don't you come on over to the house and let's talk for a minute. I was blown away. I was nervous, uh, but I was committed to the idea. And so I went over to his house and uh, he, he spoke some words of life to me, you know, about ministry and, and, and that kind of thing. And and uh, wasn't, uh, I don't know, a week or two later that I get a call from this guy asking me to sing a song in the Easter production. Now, this church did a massive Easter production that usually involved like a hundred volunteers, a big play that went on for, you know, a, a couple of weeks on the weekends and stuff around Easter. And I thought, wow, are you kidding? Sing a solo? And uh, and so I, I said, okay, yeah, I'll do it. I committed. Well, that's, that's the direction I want to go. And he asked me to do this and I committed to the task. Then little did I know it was like the main solo that was being sung while, you know, a tortured Jesus was coming up the middle of the church to be crucified. Man, was I intimidated. 
But I committed to the idea, and it made me show up. My commitment caused me to show up for rehearsals. It got me around the right people on a regular basis, the people that would carry me in a direction where I could hear what God was saying. And uh, that strand of commitment, listen, when I committed to to the idea, when I committed to this, this uh, solo, to this production, there were nights that I didn't want to show up. I remember one, you know, I was struggling to learn the words of this song. Never once in all of our rehearsals could I get through it without forgetting the words. And back then, we didn't have any teleprompters. We didn't have any words on the screen, you know, like all our worship teams do now on the church back wall. It was like you memorize the words or, or else you screwed it up. And I never, I couldn't get it right. And one night I came home from work and, uh, and, I, and there was Easter production that night. It was supper time. And I think Susan and I got in an argument or, you know, the kids were little, who knows, you know, the things that happen um, when your kids are little, there's tensions that are there. And I remember sitting on the porch eating my bowl of chili. I wasn't even sitting at the table with the family. I was mad over something. And I said, I'm not going tonight. Forget it. You know, I'm just going to call in. But something spoke to my heart and I was like, no, you committed. You committed. So I finished my chili and I said, all right, I'm going to go. And I went up there and it was the first night I remembered every word to the song and I sang it with emotion. It was, it was an incredibly encouraging night. And uh, that Easter production that year, I remembered the words every time. I think 400 people commit, over 400 people committed their life to Christ. It ended up instead of going the planned four days or something. It went eight days. It was like a holdover thing we did over and over again. And it just boosted my confidence like you wouldn't believe. And But what, what caused that to happen? I committed to something that I had. I did have a dream in my heart. I was scared to admit it, but I did have a dream in my heart that I wanted to to be a musician, a musicianary, somebody that used music to communicate the gospel. That's what I really wanted. And this commitment carried me in that direction. You know, again, the tendency is for you guys that are older out there, I'm so inspired. I have some friends. I won't mention, well, yeah, I'll mention them by name. Tony Loeffler, who is probably in his mid-70s by now, uh, and Jimmy Bratcher, who is in his mid-60s, and I'm about to be 57, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, these guys are out in front of me, and they're not shrinking back. They're dreaming new dreams. They're committing to new ideas. And uh, it's inspired me to say there's, you know, they, you hear this thing where people say, don't die with your music still in you. That's a, that's a good sentiment. I like that. But the odds are, if, if you are a, a dreamer and a visionary, you are going to die with some music still in you. Because there's never going to be a time when we decide, well, I'm just going to shrink back. You don't want to do that. You want to be committing to new kingdom advancing ideas, whatever that may look like for you. Because a lot of a lot of people, you, you find out, people retire from their jobs that they were committed to, and they get depressed, and they start to drink too much, and they some of them even take their own life, they or they die prematurely because they have nothing to propel themselves into each and every day. And so I'm preaching to myself here. We're, we, we, thank God he gave me the vision for the good infection. You know, the, the tendency could have been, well, the prisons are closed. I guess we're just going to shrink back a little bit. No, it was like, God, show me the possibilities in this problem. Show me the opportunities in this obstacle. And so we launched out on a whole new idea. It I don't know much about creating videos, but it, it was like, well, it's time to learn some new skills, some new, new abilities. So I had to put out there 
This is what we're going to do. That puts my reputation on the line. We start taking donations. People are committing themselves and their income to us. So now there's a pressure on me that, that even in the face of uncertainty, how are we going to do this? Somehow, some way, God's going to show me, even if, if I'm, my trajectory is off, he's not going to let my, let my efforts go to waste. He's going to align my trajectory in the right direction. And, and uh, turns out, you know, the, the first Good Infection DVD that we sent out has been a tremendous blessing to the prisons we sent it to. It gave us the vision to say, hey, why don't we start something called the Good Infection Project, where we're constantly sending resources. Right now, the way we're looking at it is every quarter, we're going to send a whole box of our, it'll have our DVD that we produce in-house in our own studio here right now. It'll have DVDs from other ministries and books from other ministries and, and music CDs. And right now we've got a box chock full of this stuff uh, and a team that has come, that God brought in people around us to help us with this commitment to get these things out there. And so September 15th, uh, we're sending to 100 prisons. That's what we're starting with. We've got more than that on our database right now, but we kind of had to draw the line and say, let's start here. This is the first 100. So we're shipping these things out to 100 different prisons all over the country. And then, I don't know if I shared this in, in a podcast, but uh, my friend Tony Loeffler, who's propelling new ideas, you know, the, even though uh, he's getting older, he's still doing new things. He's got a contract with five different prisons, uh, five different states there are prisons that now allow tablets, secure tablets, where inmates can look at stuff that's on a secure server that's just for inmates, screened material and content. So he's got a contract with a, uh, I don't know if it's a ministry or a company that puts this stuff on the uh, the secure database so in- inmates can look at it on databases for five different states, the entire prison systems for like Utah and Maine and Michigan and Minnesota and Kansas. So we've uploaded stuff for that as well. These are states that we've never even you know, ministered in. And so uh, what are you committed to? What new idea, what new ground are you committed to taking that you're willing to go all in with a kingdom advancing motive, of course, for those of us as believers? Listen, we all have skills in different areas. Not everybody's called to, to be a, 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 a pulpit minister, so to speak, or a public speaker. Listen, maybe you're you're gifted at something you do with your hands at at carpentry or or you know my my daughter is like a knitting fanatic, you know, and so she she uh, knits all sorts of characters and stuff and she puts them online and it draws attention to the skill or the craft that she has which also draws attention to her godly family, her God-glorifying family. So what are you committed to? What are you stepping out on? No, nobody gets where they're going without commitment. And, uh, and so I ask you two questions. Number one, we started with the scripture from 2 Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those who hearts, whose hearts are fully committed to him. What can you do, what can I do to show myself more fully committed to God and his purposes in the earth? You know, James, uh, who is like the hardcore New Testament writer, man, he just calls it like it is. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, that's one thing that really got me committed back into church life, Uh is that scripture. 
you know, I was I was wallowing in a lot of condemnation because I felt like I had forfeited so much when I kind of got sidetracked and got, you know, committed to things and that that weren't wrong, but I was no longer committed to God's house and God's church and committed to God's people and God's purposes. I was committed to my purposes. And I got under a lot of condemnation. And and for me, I had to press through that. I, you know, I began going back to church with the mindset, I'm going to take my children to church, whether or not I ever get right with God or not. I really, to be honest with you, I felt like I've, I've forfeited my salvation. Uh, that's ridiculous. And a few years later, after the lights had kind of come back on spiritually for me, I was already a, a youth pastor by then. Um, I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart one, one day in prayer. And he said, you know, way back there when you felt condemned, um, I never let go of you. You let go of me. And uh, maybe that's a word for somebody. And, and the key for me was to draw near to God. Now, what does that look like? Well, I, I can tell you one area. Um, James goes on right after that and says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I had gotten double-minded, and I'd gotten wrapped up in some sinful behaviors. And uh, let, me, let me say this, that this isn't about salvation. It's about having intimacy with God. And God doesn't push us away. What loving father pushes his children away? But when we sin or we get sidetracked away from our our commitment and intimacy with the Lord, well, let's just be specific. When we sin, all of us have sinful habits and behaviors. We establish those things who knows when. The, the, The lifetime process that God is trying to work in us is sanctification. That's the biblical word to make us more and more whole, more and more holy, more and more like Christ on the earth. So the older we get, the more he is trying to push those sinful thoughts and behaviors out of our life, fill us with his Holy Spirit, and make us more like Jesus to those around us. And so when we sin, and I don't get me wrong, I still struggle with sin just like you, um, it, what it does is it interrupts our intimacy with God, not on his end, on our end. We lose our confidence before God. We feel unholy and unworthy to hear God and be used by God. We mess up the communication line. And, and so I just encourage you, you know, um, if there's an area that you're struggling in, try this. Try when you want to do that, you know, press into God, whatever that looks like. You know, maybe it's you need a season of fasting. Maybe it's you're not plugged into a local church. You need to make up your mind, I'm going to commit to a local church, despite the fact that I'm struggling with this thing. You'll be surprised at uh, what you might see and hear that God has for you to show you how to profit and teach you in the way that you should go. And so what can you do to strengthen your commitment to God? I don't know. Maybe you are already involved in church. Maybe maybe commitment means a, a new level of financial giving to something. Maybe commitment looks like a season of fasting for you. I don't know. Um, but you need to ask yourself, what can I do to show myself more fully committed to God and His purpose on the earth. It could be something you need to start doing, something you need to stop doing to demonstrate my deepest commitment is to you, Lord. And and I think you'll be surprised. I'm preaching to myself here now. I'm not throwing stones at anybody. 
Um, this isn't about salvation. This is about intimacy with God and about accomplishing his will and purpose for our lives. Now, the second question is, what can you do to strengthen your commitment to your kingdom advancing ideas? You know, for us, it's the Good Infection Project, and actually it's some new areas. We're seriously thinking about doing a lot more video and kind of almost not really rebranding what we do, but we do feel like we've kind of become known as a prison ministry, and largely we are, but I feel like You know, Susan and I have a lot to offer the church on the outside as well, and maybe we need to start a stream, or maybe we need to do something to uh, just, just, just a new area of ministry for us. I don't know. I'm praying about it. I'm trying to teach myself some new skills. But what can you do? What can you do to 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 strengthen your commitment to your kingdom advancing idea? It's hard for God to establish our steps if we don't take them. What steps can you take? Yeah, you might sink. Jesus will catch you. Yeah, it might be, uh, you, for example, uh, we may step out to do something in video, and it may just be a total flop. It may be wrong. But God won't let that, let that go to waste. He'll somehow use the skills and the things that we acquire, the experiences, to align our trajectory with the thing that he, he wants us to do. And so, listen, I I hope that helps. And uh, again, the the two questions maybe you should ask yourself today, and I'm going to ask myself today, is what can I do to show that I'm more fully committed to God and I'm more fully committed to the kingdom advancing ideas, visions, and dreams he's given me? Hey, thanks for listening. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Hope Signals. You can learn more about us at lifeontheverge.com. We're a completely donor-funded ministry that carries the good news to prisons around the United States. You can help us by sharing this podcast, by partnering with us with a tax-deductible gift at lifeontheverge.com, or by even talking to your leader or pastor about having us come and minister. Thank you for letting us be just another voice of inspiration in your journey.